Welcome to the Fearless Vampire Podcast. I'm on a heartfelt mission through the art of conversation and storytelling to inspire women to pursue their creative entrepreneurial journey with reckless abandon. I'm your host, Taylor, a six-figure photographer and business coach based in Colorado. I'm a right brain mompreneur to two toddler boys, devoted deep conversation holder, and your personal alpaca cuddle liaison. My hope is that you leave our time together feeling empowered and energized to build your dream life. Learn more at fearlessvampire.com. So I just have to share before we jump into this conversation that right before we signed on, Laura and I were just talking about how we have micromanaged our kids and our families just to be on this call. So please, everybody, give us some snaps and like high fives for being able to show up here today. I would I was just wrapping up a hike with my five-year-old son and a storm was coming in. On top of that, I was like, I have 10 minutes to get to this meeting or this podcast. And I really hope my husband can show back up and be with the boys and babysit. And so a lot of the conversation today is going to revolve around motherhood, but in tandem with entrepreneurship. You guys are really in for a treat meeting Laura of Your Hearth Healing. And I want to share a quick story about myself and my journey. So with entrepreneurship, Mike and I were camping, gosh, 2012, I think. We were camping and Mike said, what do you want to be doing when you're 30? And at the time I was 24 and I was like, well, obviously I'm going to be a photographer. And he was like, well, obviously it takes five years to get a business up and running. And he's like, we want kids like in five years, you're going to be just shy of 30 and we'll probably be married and having kids. And at that point, I started really thinking about what my entrepreneurship journey was going to look like leading up to having children. So fast forward five years and I did indeed get pregnant with our oldest And I was so upset because my first fears were, one, I don't want this to change anything. I don't want to give up my business. I don't want to give up my life. What are my clients going to, like clients and couples, what are they going to think of me when I show up nine months pregnant at their wedding, like not knowing if I have to leave and go into labor? So this was a very stressful space for me. Luckily, the second time around with with, with our youngest was a lot different, but motherhood did change so much for me in all the most beautiful ways. And I would say three of the ways are, it made me really criticize how I was spending and managing or lack of managing my time. It forced me to prioritize the most important things in business in the immediate moment. And probably best of all, it taught me how to learn how to take care of myself through all of it. Because when you have tiny people focusing on you and learning from you, you can't show up at 5%. And trust me, there are plenty of days that I know I do. But when I'm not taking care of myself, when I'm not going to therapy, when I'm not processing, you know, traumas from my childhood, when I'm not looking at my own child and trying to figure out what he's going to remember about this day, I'm not doing anyone any good. And so one of the most beautiful things about becoming a mother and being in entrepreneurship was I was really forced to learn how to take care of myself. And that is why I'm so excited to introduce Laura Williams to you guys. Laura and I met through the community at large, I guess. Uh, Laura was in need of branding photos. And whenever she called me and told me about what she was doing, I was like, oh my gosh, thank goodness I'm still postpartum. I was like three years postpartum, but I was like, I'm still postpartum because 
our community needs is every community needs what Laura is doing. So Laura owns Hearth Healing and she is a pre and postnatal pelvic health consultant. Now, if you don't know what that means, sit tight. You're going to learn what that means. But she does everything virtual. Laura believes strongly that everyone has a right to honest, evidence-based, individualized support in healthcare during pregnancy and postpartum. And I'm really stoked to get into that, Laura, because I'm sure you can attest to this. Like when people get pregnant, they think about the pregnancy and then they think about the baby and then that's it. And I didn't even learn to prioritize my own health until after my second was born. When my second was born, literally we got home from the hospital and I said, here you go. And I handed him off to Mike or my mom, somebody. And I left and went and got a massage. And then I went and saw my pelvic floor therapist. Like second time around was different, but I'm sure you can attest to this because you're also a mother. You are three months, four months postpartum with your second daughter. So I'm really excited to jump into this. I'm going to let you take over now. Whoa. That was quite the intro. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I am like, I'm digesting everything that you just said, which was so beautiful and so important and so layered. And really, I feel like you did a lot of the, the talking for me, right? Like so much of this comes from the need to figure out how to put ourselves first and prioritize our own health and understand our bodies in order to take care of our families and show up for all these different facets of our lives. So yes, 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 to everything you just said. To sort of jump in, I guess I, you know, my background is as a pelvic health uh, physical therapist, and I've been practicing pelvic health specifically for six years. And I work in rural healthcare. So I chose that because I wanted to be a really excellent generalist and have like a really robust background and see everybody across the lifespan. But I also wanted to specialize in pelvic health. And I see pelvic health as a way to augment the care of every body, not necessarily something that in and of itself can't apply to everyone. I think we treat the pelvis like it's this black box in the body and not really kind of the connecting unit of every one of our systems that it really is. So through that, through, you know, being a pelvic health care specialist over the years, um, I've really grown super passionate about obstetrics, so pregnancy and postpartum. And I was I was really excited about that work before I even became a mother and it became super personal to me. And I really appreciated over time how valuable that work was. Pelvic health across the lifespan for every population, for everybody with the pelvis, but specifically for Um, this perinatal population that I think is really not supported well in our community, which ultimately is a downfall of our communities at large. And I realized that this work has so much impact and is so powerful and is missing in so many places, in so many ways. And there's so many missed opportunities. And rather than our current, you know, modern medical model really supporting the dissemination of really fundamental information to people about their pregnant and postpartum bodies, I think the healthcare system as it stands can sometimes be a barrier to people getting that information and a gatekeeper of that information. So we can dive more into this for sure, but the culmination of my professional experience and and recognition of these major massive gaps in maternal care and how that was having a really negative downfall for families, communities, individuals, businesses, workplaces, et cetera, paired with, and my personal experience um, 
specifically postpartum the first time really launched me into starting this business and wanting to not only recognize that there was a problem, but figure out a way to, to improve it and to create better access. I would love, I mean, I'm sure you'll share hopefully more of your first time around. You couldn't pay me a bajillion dollars to go back to those first six weeks postpartum because, you know, people try to prepare you and doctors are like, hey, you might experience baby blues. And I'm I'm like that. <laughs> That's not even like, I, I mean, I wanted to jump in front of a bus. I mean, there's no two ways about it. I mean, it was the wildest experience. And you see all these stupid ass like Huggies commercials when you're pregnant and the mom and the dad are like hugging and they're just like, look at his nose. And I was like, I don't know who that human is. And then I started having not seizures, but I started convulsing. I had lost so much blood during my my birth experience and my, my mom like picked up this newborn, put him in my husband's lap and just laid on top of my chest while I was mm -hmm. like convulsing. And I was like, what happened to the Huggies commercial? Why wasn't, <laughs> why didn't anybody prepare me for this? And I do want to know, so it's, it's funny that you mentioned, I do want to touch on this. You mentioned everybody with a pelvic floor. One of my best friends is seeing a pelvic floor therapist for, she's almost 20 months postpartum and she's still having issues and she's been trying to talk to her doctor about this and he gets so uncomfortable like he'll he just stops talking with her about it and she's like you realize a hundred percent of your patients men and women have pelvic floors get comfortable talking about this why is this such a taboo thing and why is there withheld information and these expectations that you'll just like when I think when people say like, quote unquote, bounce back, you assume like, oh, I'll, I'll get my abs back. It's no, like everything. Like when you go through birth, C-section or uh, vaginal, it is like getting, it's literally like being in a car accident. It's comparable to being in a car accident with the trauma that you experience. Why? Like, did you have the support that you needed first? And two, why is this such a taboo subject that people are like avoiding talking about? I mean, you just hit on a couple of really important things. Like the first being you're always postpartum. We're always postpartum. Our bodies are never the same as they were before we had babies, nor would we want them to be because we did this incredible thing. Right. And that has changed us on a cellular level and left a signature in our bodies. That's really important. And we created life. So I never want to be the person that I was before I had my kids. Right. So this notion that we should bounce back, like to what? To right? being lesser yeah. <laughs> versions of ourselves, right? To being, you know, I, I find that the the transition from, you know, this was the other thing that you said that I wanted to touch on, and then I'll circle back. But the transition from no kids to one kid, I think is really intense on several levels. One of them is the physical piece. Another one of them is that real grief of the life you had before you were a mother. And sort of, I think it brings up a lot, even down to your mortality, right? That you're entering this new phase right. of matrescence and this new phase of your life and your youth in some way, I'm holding up big quotation marks, is lost or whatever. We feel like we're letting go of that time with our partner, pre-children. And so there's, there's grief of our former self in addition to this like processing of all these new physical ch changes that we're living with. And I think the other reason that it's such a shock and the reason that we're so sort of disillusioned by the reality of having babies and that it isn't like being in a Huggies commercial is that we aren't prepared because people don't want to talk about it. 
And even the people that are willing to talk about it may not necessarily have the training, the language, or the time built into their practice to talk about it. Even as a community of moms, I was mortified to talk about what, like the feelings and the thoughts I was having. I had so much shame. And I had tried to explain to my sister when she was pregnant about like the hormones and like the the very sudden release. Like imagine being on like happy pills and then within hours, like they are ripped from your system. Mm-hmm. And she she was like, oh, okay, sure. Yeah, I might feel a little sad. And then she called me screaming. And this isn't to like scare people into like never having children, but she called me screaming like a few days later. And she was like, the thoughts that are going through my mind are not okay. And I started asking her, are you thinking this? And she was like, yes. And I said, are you thinking this? And she was like, oh my God, yes. And I was like, it's normal. Everything you're feeling is normal, even though it's shaming, you know, like, I don't know. It was a really uncomfortable but, but yeah, I mean, and and but it took me waiting until my sister got to that point to say, hey, I went through this too three mm-hmm. years ago. It was really mortifying to feel these things. And even what you just said, like, I don't want to scare people away from having babies. The truth is it probably won't. You know, if you want babies, yeah. <laughs> you want babies. But we're doing each other a disservice by not talking about the reality of some of the things that come along with that because they make people uncomfortable because mm-hmm. as a society, we've not allowed ourselves to go to the dark and scary places or the dark and gritty and real places where growth is happening because it's uncomfortable for other people. It's not bright and shiny, right? We only want to see the mom who's like tucked into her Vuari two piece at six weeks, right? And out on the town, we don't want to see the mom that is struggling and leaking and crying and alone and, lacking community, right? That's uncomfortable for us. And instead of being like, okay, that's what this is. That's how the United States is supporting women by not supporting women. Right. By, by shoving it under the rug. Exactly. We want to sweep it under the rug. That's the perfect way to put it. So what serves us so much better as human beings, particularly as women, is to face it, to talk about it, to dismantle the stigma around it, And have those conversations out in the open so that we can feel that sense of community because we are all having those same thoughts and we are all peeing our pants when we sneeze and we are all having pelvic pain and intercourse does not feel good for most of us the first time after having a baby, nor are we interested in pouncing on our partners (laughs) immediately at six weeks postpartum, just because we've been cleared by our doctor at the most abbreviated visit we'll ever have. Right? So it's okay but we have to put it out there and talk about it because there are resources available and it can be better and it can feel more supported if we allow ourselves to kind of go to that uncomfortable, gritty place together. Well, so I'm kind of jumping ahead here, but I know my three pieces of advice to expecting mothers. And right now my sister-in-law is expecting, um, my sister is expecting. So we have a lot going on. And I have my three pieces of advice, but what would you tell an expecting mother? Like what three pieces of advice would you say you have to focus on these three things? If you don't do anything else, do these three things. The first thing is start pelvic floor physical therapy while you are pregnant. It does not matter how far along you are in your pregnancy. It does not matter how many pregnancies you've already had. It doesn't matter if you feel amazing or if you feel crappy. Being pregnant is 
a biomechanical change that warrants physical therapy, period. This is a phenomenal transformation that your body undergoes. It is more phenomenal than most other reasons that people are getting physical therapy. And we do not have like a direct referral pipeline to physical therapy when it comes to perinatal status. We just don't. Like you get knee surgery, you go to physical therapy. You get your pinky, you know, a pin put in your pinky, you go to physical therapy. We don't do that for pregnancy and postpartum. We don't treat it like the phenomenal physical transformation that it is. And so you have to be your own advocate and just go. Just ask for the referral or if you're in a direct access state where you don't need it or you can find a cash provider, just go. That's a really great point. I never thought of that. Yeah, it's 45 minutes a week of self-care where you're being tended to, right? Where you're free to discuss things that most likely also you may think like, oh, I'm just having a normal pregnancy. And that's because a lot of things that are common aren't necessarily normal. So the generations above us have been like doing their buck up meditation and living with all of this pelvic floor dysfunction because they didn't have the resources that we have now or the knowledge or the education or the safe space to talk about it. And so the language that we hear and the messaging that we hear is like, oh, it's okay. It's normal. Everybody just A, B, and C after they have a baby. It's never going to be the same down there. You're never going to get back to running. You're always going to pee your pants when you run. You'll never lift heavy weights again. You'll always have, these are not things that you have to live with, but the messaging is that it's all, it's all just part of the process. So what may happen is that you get to PT and you think you're fine and you may be surviving and feeling great. I'm not saying like create an issue where there's not one, but they'll prompt you. They'll ask you really good crying questions about those intimate things that you didn't feel like you were allowed to talk about with your friend. And they'll give you the space to bring that stuff up. And you may be like, oh yeah, I am having some sacroiliac joint pain when I get up from a chair, or I am having difficulty rolling in bed, or I am noticing that it's hard for me to pick up my older kid, right? And then you start to recognize that you're allowed to talk about those things and you're allowed to be supported in your pregnancy. So that's number one. Even with your doctor, I mean, you get like the questionnaire, which I don't know if anybody answers that accurately. Um, And if you've had a child, then you know exactly what the questionnaire is. Like, how do you feel? Are you sad? Okay. And that's it. And that's, and so, but to be able to really talk about uncomfortable, painful, like physically and emotionally things with somebody who can hold space and can actually do something about it is huge. Yes. So my second piece of advice is that you have to plan for postpartum when you're pregnant. That's a great piece of advice. Once you're postpartum, there is way too much going on. Everything is hard in the darkness, right? Like I always say, everything is hard in the darkness. Everything when I'm up at 2 a.m. nursing my baby feels overwhelming, insurmountable, end of the world, I'm moving out of my house kind of stuff. And then as soon as the sun rises, like I have this clarity again. So... It's really hard when you're postpartum to be like, oh, now who do I want in my village? What would feel supportive right now? Now is going to be the first time in my life that I've ever named what would be helpful to me. No, now is not the time for like life altering transitions or, you know, game changing boundary setting. (laughs) It needs to happen when you're pregnant and when you have the clarity to, to figure out what that might look like. Overshoot it. I would so much rather everybody overshoot their village, overshoot their community and what they're going to need 
and then scale it back and be like, oh, you know, I don't really need that postpartum doula to come up twice a week. I only need them to come once a week for the first month, but I'm good. I don't need family to stay that long. I don't need someone to take my kiddo out of the house because I really like having them there to support me and the new baby, you know, but it has to happen during pregnancy. So I always encourage people to think about like chiropractics, massage, acupuncture, postpartum PT, a doula. If you're having a a birth supported by a midwife, figuring out how they're going to support you postpartum. Um, When do you want your friends to come? Let them set up a meal train for you. Meal train. That's my number one piece of advice for everybody. (laughs) I don't care what, how many restrictions you have set up the freaking meal train and put a cooler outside with a sign on it. Yep, exactly. So thinking about that ahead of time so that you have a plan in place. And that also goes back to why it's so important to see a pelvic PT during pregnancy because you have an established relationship. Wait lists can often be really long. Providers are few and far between, especially really qualified ones that you feel connected to. Um, and so finding setting up that relationship while you're pregnant ensures that you can jump in and see them right away postpartum and you don't have to wait outlandish amounts of time. And you don't have to wait till six weeks either. And I can talk about that more. Yeah. And then your third. My third piece is when you're at that six week postpartum appointment, you have to be the one to bring up your concerns and there should not be anything that's off limits. So yes, you'll get the Edinburgh depression screen right? Which is a really generalized depression, postpartum depression screen. Um, and I've had people give me that screen and literally say, wow, you scored really high. And then not follow up, not be like, and here's what we're yep. going to do about it. Right. Cool. Looks like you've got postpartum anxiety, just like everybody else around you. Good luck with that. Right? Good luck. So, yeah. Yeah. So, and that's it. It's just a piece of paper. There's no follow-up. There's no, how do you feel about this? Do you want resources here? The resources available. We've got a sheet good to go. So I encourage people to talk about the things that make them uncomfortable, that they're feeling in their bodies that don't feel right to them. If it doesn't feel right to you, it's not right. You know your body best. And to advocate for the referrals that you want, ask for them. Don't assume that your doctor in their super oversaturated day has time to ask you every screening question. They just don't. There's just too much demand on them. And it's not their fault. So right. be your own advocate. That's my third piece. It's it's really interesting because we live in two very small towns. Like we live right in the middle of these two small towns and Laura's based out of Salida. And then there's also Buena Vista. And I didn't know of all the resources we had. I didn't know that there was physical therapists. I didn't know that there was a free lactation consultant program until one of my friends told me about that. I didn't know that you could get a free breast pump through your insurance. And I was really disappointed that I I didn't learn that through my doctor. All my girlfriends, thank God we had a great community of moms who were kind of a few weeks or a couple years ahead of us who were telling us all this information. And it's it's funny because when you are pregnant, especially for the first time, it feels really overwhelming. Everybody has an opinion. Everybody's got a resource. But like, take the resources, take the advice. And that's the one time, like take what you want, leave what you don't, but also you don't have to do it all. And I think a lot of moms realize I don't have to do it all. And we'll get into that in just a second of like, I don't have to take, I don't have to cook for my family for the first four months if I don't want to. People will literally bring food to my doorstep. And I think that there, there, there is this need to prove something to somebody, to yourself, to your partner, to your mother, to your mother-in-law, to your best friend who has kids, 
nobody's looking like nobody cares. You don't have to prove anything to anyone. You don't have to hold on to that old identity. But man, it is so hard to know what you're going to need beforehand for this very big change. Everybody's experience is unique to them. So it's okay that your experience looks totally different than your neighbors and your sisters and your best friends. And comparison is sort of another really root problem that we face, right? You're allowed to have your own unique experience. And so know thyself, set yourself up with what you think you might need, right? Take everybody's advice and then hold on to the things that actually resonate with you and serve you. Right. That's a really great piece of advice. I'm curious why pelvic floor? Can we have a little bit of a biology lesson of what the, what, I mean, other than your pelvic floor being like literally the center of your body, why pelvic floor? Why is this so important? And like you said, you break your pinky. What are you going to do? You're going to go see a physical therapist. You get a concussion. What are you going to do? You're going to like, there's a physical therapist for everything. Like you just said, and nobody thinks twice about an ice skating injury from when they were 12. So why the pelvic floor? So the pelvic floor is an amazing series of structures. Um, There are three layers of muscles. They're really intricately intertwined and they sort of form like a figure eight sling around the vagina and the anus, but they also each have their own individual role. So they are muscles just like every other muscle in the body. They're wildly complex. They work together beautifully and in really important ways they need range just like every other muscle in our body. So they don't just need strength, which I think, you know, you'll see all over social media right now, like Kegels are not the answer. Right? We've swung this pendulum all the, oh other, gosh, completely the other way from Kegels are the answer to everything to Kegels are not the answer to anything. The truth is that everything about the pelvic floor is nuanced and that's what's so cool about it. And that's also why it requires individualized attention um, because you know, I, I always compare it to the bicep. Like if all, if you were stuck in an elbow contracture and your elbow was stuck in a bent position, and then all you did was bicep curls all day, that wouldn't serve you at all. What you would need were stretches for the bicep so that you could lengthen your elbow out to a straight position. Same goes for the pelvic floor. You need to know what the root cause of your pelvic floor dysfunction is before you know how to appropriately treat it. And so if the issue is that you have tension in your pelvic floor, which more often than not is the issue, because our bodies are under a constant state of stress in our current living environment, then what you need is relaxation and length so you can access the full range of your pelvic floor so that it can do its job under all sorts of forces, like take lots of load when you're running or relax and open when you're trying to have a bowel movement or during sex, right? We need to be able to get to lots of different places in the pelvic floor. So it's so important because it literally holds up our vital organs. It lets things out when we need it to. It holds things in when we need it to. It pumps lymphatic fluid back up from our limbs. It's such an important part of our circulatory system. Um, The list goes on and on and on and on and on. And it is a connecting point for our upper and lower body. And it's also a place that we hold a lot of emotion. So it's really when you're having pelvic floor dysfunction, you may not even realize how emotional that is for you. Um, And a lot of times in the work that I do, I'm really practicing trauma-informed care because people are coming to me with pelvic floor pain and pelvic floor dysfunction that's a result of trauma that they've incurred. So it's vital. It's incredibly important to treating a whole person in a holistic way. 
Our bodies are so cool. Yeah. It's just like, it, it's amazing to me. I, yeah. what was the, what, what's the transition to two kids been like for you, especially running your own business? I mean, you, yeah. you have a lot happening right now. What, how, how has that been for you? It has been so much easier than zero to one. So I agree a hundred percent zero to yeah. one rocked my freaking world. I'll have 10 kids if I don't have to be pregnant again, but I, I would have 100%. 10 kids now. 100%. And I yeah, had, that was- yeah, it's sort of polar opposite experiences. So I'll share a little bit about the first because I think it colors the second, but with my first, I had a really lovely pregnancy. Like I loved being pregnant. I was just like living my best life. I was doing yoga every day. I did my handstand practice till 39 weeks. I was still teaching yoga my back pain went away. Like I just felt awesome. And I felt like what I was doing was so much bigger than me. And I loved that feeling. And I loved having this little like buddy with me all day long every day. And I went in thinking, I have all this knowledge about physiological birth. I have a doula with me. I've been doing pelvic PT my whole pregnancy. I love my doctor. I love my team. I've got this. And I ended up having a really crazy labor pattern that was really intense and fast. And I wasn't dilating at all. And by the time I get to the hospital, it had been three hours. Then I labored for another four-ish hours. I still was at one centimeter of dilation. And I'd been having contractions like one minute apart on the minute um, that were like 10 out of 10 pain. So I got an epidural and already that was a big decision for me to sort of give in to the fact that I needed to kick off that medical intervention uh, and that intervention cascade. Got my epidural. It was the best thing for me possible. Made me so relaxed. My pelvic floor was able to relax. I slept. I dilated all the way to 10 centimeters. I was fully effaced. I got to labor in every position that I knew how um, to optimize my baby's position, even with my epidural, because I had the right support team that let me do that. And then I basically pushed on and off for 10 hours. And I just could not successfully push my baby out. And so I finally had a, an emergency cesarean. And the baby was distressed at that point. You know, she wasn't breathing right away. It probably was 30 seconds. It felt like 30 hours to me before I heard. Yeah, it might cry. as well have been 30 hours. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. And then I was just so grief stricken. Like I didn't get any of that oxytocin flush. I didn't feel connected to her right away. Breastfeeding was fine. Like we were getting good enough milk transfer that I could keep doing it, but it hurt. I didn't enjoy it. I resented it. It felt like a tiny prison to me. Yep. I really experienced that grief for my former life that you and I talked about in the beginning. I was floored. I was like, I take care of moms for a living. I do not take care of babies. I did not expect this to be this hard. And yeah. I was and I was angry. That had to be really sobering. Yeah, I was like why didn't anyone tell me about this? Why didn't anyone tell me this was going to be like this? Like why didn't why did everybody buy me all these baby clothes? I have an abundance of 6 to 9 months one, month onesies and nobody told me about sleep training. Like nobody yeah. told me that there were way that I was overstimulating my kid. And that's why she wasn't going to sleep at night and on and on. So even though on paper, I had all the right people in my corner and I went in with as much knowledge as possible and knew how to be my own advocate, I was really overwhelmed. And it took me a long time to figure out both 
how to love my body again and to trust my body again and to be comfortable and safe living in my body and how to go back to doing the work that I love doing of teaching about physiological birth and teaching people how to prepare for birth because I felt like my body had failed me and I felt like I must be a failure as a professional. Oh, that's so hard. That's a whole identity crisis, Laura. Totally, totally. But what came of that was that it ultimately became my greatest strength as a healer, as a provider, because I totally understand the complexity. And what I teach now is less about like, here's how to have your unmedicated vaginal delivery at home that you want. It's about, yes, I hope you get to have that. And here are all the ways to optimize your chances of having that. But it's also about making sure that people really understand the choices that they're going to be given and the language that's going to be used and the information that they'll be offered so that they can make informed choices and give informed consent. Because I think at the end of the day, what saved me is that when these choices, like when I came to these different turning points in my labor and delivery, I understood the option and I understood the risk and benefit. And so even though I had a lot of grief, I didn't feel a lot of trauma. And I think there's a really important distinction between those two things. Like I didn't feel like a bunch of people did things to me and put their hands on me in ways that I didn't understand at the time. And then I had to unpack that. I felt like I was treated with care and respect and dignity and given choices. And I understood why the ultimate outcome was what it was. So I just want to empower people to feel like whatever happens on the other side, it's about more than healthy mom, healthy baby. It's also about feeling connected to yourself. And I think that healing will come with understanding the process. Yeah, that one of the, I think that's probably the only time I've ever felt that connected to my body was during labor. Like I, I gave in to every sensation, every noise, everything that I needed to experience, I went into. And it's funny that you mentioned, it's, it's not funny that you mentioned trauma because thankfully I did not have a traumatic, it felt traumatic because no one was explaining what was going on. Uh, both, both times, the first time was very traumatic for my life. Our son was fine, but the second time around, we thought our son was a stillborn. But nobody told me that. Um, but my husband knew, and our moms knew. And there's no support. And even though we're talking about moms and and like you know having the support you need, he still has not. I don't think processed the traumatic experience that was our second son's birth. And I saw a reel recently that was like, there's no support for dads who have to watch their wife go through or their partner go through this hellacious experience and nobody's communicating anything with them. They're just in the dark and they are hoping for the best. And they're hoping, I think at that point, you're like, man, I hope I picked the right freaking doctor to do this because this is, it's still like, nothing's a guarantee when you're in labor and delivery, nothing's guaranteed ever. And, um, have, have we come a long way? Yeah. But like Mike, I mean, he thought he was getting ready I was in another world, but Mike was prepared to walk me through the death of our son. And Mm -hmm. as soon as he was born, like I'd say five, 10 minutes after Dawson was born, Mike was like, please don't make me go through that again. And I was like, why? What are you talking about? And then he told me everything that had happened over the last three hours. And I was just, you know, like there's no support for him to process, you know, or any, any father or partner that is just there watching and, and hoping for the best. And I can't control what happens in the delivery room or at home during delivery. But what, honestly, the reason that I moved to Salida was to learn from um, Dr. Ann Krogan, who, if you are aware of her work. Oh, I love Ann. Ann is my PT. 
yeah, like everyone just needs to know who she is. She needs to be a household name. But I wanted to be mentored by her because she really started this incredible obstetrics program at Heart of the Rockies. Sarah Huddleston had already started the pelvic PT program and came in and really ramped up the obstetrics component of the program. And she ensured that every couple that was planning to deliver person and birth partner, don't care what their relationship is, whoever's going to be in the delivery room, we're doing labor and delivery training together. And so we continue to do that around 36 weeks. And that's something that I've carried into my own virtual practice as well, is doing birth prep with a partner so that they have hands-on skills and strategies that can actually help modulate pain. But more important than anything, they also understand the choices that they're going to have and they can be the advocate in the case that the birthing person can't be. So that they feel like they understand and are really a part of the process and are engaged in the process and as much of the process as a person delivering the baby. Um, because again, that does lead to so much trauma when you're left out of the equation and things are happening all around you. What a helpless feeling. It so, is. And it's, it's your, it's the person that you love most and the second person that you're going to love most. Like, all in this in this like very hazy hurricane i i feel very grateful mike mike read a few doula books which i was like oh that's nice and then i talked to a few girlfriends and they're like my husband didn't do that and i was like <laughs> yeah. man he he was really prepared like he he knew he was prepared to uh take over if i couldn't and i didn't realize what a what a blessing that was to have somebody it's so huge. so engaged and involved yes. in the in the process well, the question that you asked, which I didn't even answer, was the trans. How was the transition from one to two? <laughs> or just like having two kids and like trying yeah. to run your business? Dude. Yeah. So the transition from, I felt like I was just like crushing it before I got pregnant a second time. I was like, I got so strong. I was so motivated. I was so inspired. I felt like I had come from like the lowest low to the highest high. And I was so pumped about the momentum of my new business and just like, I'm going to do everything. Right. And then I had a terrible pregnancy. I was sick the entire time. I threw up for 28 weeks. I got shingles. I couldn't feel my hands anymore. My back pain was the worst it had ever been at the end. I felt like my pelvis was going to explode and I was doing all the body work, seeing all the people. It was just like, get this kid out of me. And then I had a planned cesarean, which was a night and day different experience from my first time. And I think for me, it was all about expectation mitigation. It was still super weird and intense to have surgery awake. The OR was totally overwhelming. I have lots to say about that. You can read about it on my blog. But because I didn't go through all of that physical exertion leading up to surgery, I was so much better off after it. And I recovered so much more quickly. And I felt immediately connected to my baby and was like obsessed with her in love with her from the second I laid eyes on her and felt this huge sense of relief. And that was so different than the first time I was like, Oh, this is what people are talking about. Right. <laughs> like I, yeah, I had to, to me tear up. The first time. and yeah. I also, the first time was like, is this forever? Am I just never going to sleep again? Am I just going to have this little crying appendage forever and give up everything that I loved before? And then because they're I've already gone through, they're a stranger and that's okay. It's okay to take time to get to know your kid, but because you go, you've gone through it and you're like, Oh, they grow up and they grow up really fast. And, and they become so cool. And the they older they get so <laughs> cool. And then you're, you start to let go of like the things you thought you were losing, right. Where you were like, Oh, I'm just never going to get to go out for drinks with girlfriends alone again. Like, yes, you will. And the whole time you'll miss your kids. And so 
you need balance and you need both, <laughs> but you start to, re- you start to feel like that, the recognition that life is richer and fuller and, and has deeper meaning now. And so the second time you're already in that, you've already grieved, you're in parent land. And for me, this is my last kid. So I'm just trying to savor it in a different way. Yeah. So a little bit of my hustle has softened because I'm realizing that my time with this kiddo is so fleeting at this stage of her life. And I want to be so present for it. Whereas the first time I also, and I think you said something about this in the very beginning in your intro to layers. There were so many layers about going back to work. And like when, you know, that ego piece of wanting to still show up and still be capable and like say to society that I can do it all. This is my second career. So when I got pregnant, I had only been a PT for three years. I felt like I had just really gotten my footing and gotten respect from my colleagues. And I had this voice in my head telling me that it was a weakness that I was going to be pregnant, have a baby, take maternity leave. And the world will forget about you. Yeah. Like what, who was that? Who was that voice? Right. Because I am so much more capable now than I ever was before, but I was really, I almost felt shame about it, which is so wild to say out loud, but I felt like embarrassed that I was pregnant and I felt like I needed to get back to work and, you know, pull myself up by my bootstraps and never let anyone see my weakness and never spend too much time pumping. And it was so much drama and it was so much resistance for me. Like it was resistance at every turn. And when I finally let go of that and realized family is first, I'm going to work for the rest of my life. I can always work more when my kids go back to school. It just really helped the priorities settle into place. Right. So I want to spend as much time as I can being present with them, not just like making sure they stay alive and letting other people raise them, but really actually parenting them and playing with them. And I want to put my energy into joy work, which is this business where I feel like I'm really making an impact and that the time I'm going to spend away from my kids, I want to be doing something that I feel like really matters and sets an example for them. That's amazing. And you have two daughters. So for them to see you building this business and not only like not any business, but a business that empowers women and to, to take charge of their health. I mean, that is just so cool, Laura. And I, it's, it's interesting that you felt that, that, that way too, about being in the workforce. I mean, I remember groomsmen would be following me around a wedding and being like, can I carry that for you? And I was like, no, like flexing, like, (laughs) Get away from me. <laughs> and I wish so bad because the second time I was like, um, you guys, can you come carry this? Like if, if Mike wasn't at a wedding with me, like who can pick up this crap and get it out of here? And I was shooting weddings until I was nine months pregnant. I mean, I was at a wedding at 38 weeks pregnant in California, nonetheless, like I was out of oh state, but it was just different. It was just different. And the first time I didn't know what to expect. So I took five months off, which I was so grateful because I needed those five months to just like lay on the couch with my son. And it that connection wasn't immediate. It was not immediate. I felt like I had given birth to my husband's child. And I was like, he's mm-hmm. yours. I just housed him for a while. Like I almost felt like a surrogate to like mm-hmm. his baby. Almost. Um, the second time around though, I had a wedding 10 days after, um, Dawson was born and I had so much guilt about that. All I wanted to do was lay on the couch with him. Cause yeah, second time around, 
there's a picture. Um, my girlfriend was there who, and she took pictures of, of both of our births. There's literally a picture of me reaching for him from my doctor, like as he's being born. I'm like, give him, give oh. him, give him, give him. That's my baby. Yeah. And I was just like all, all about him. I was, yeah, so connected. And so the second time around, I was like, I got this. I think I was still in that proving myself phase of like, it's fine. He'll be fine. He'll be 10 days old. He doesn't do anything but sleep. And I went to a wedding and I was like, what am I doing? And then COVID happened and the whole world shut down. And I was like, here's my postpartum break. Like, here's, here's my, like, you know, this is my maternity leave that I didn't know I was going to get. And so, so yeah, it's really interesting that we go through that, that phase. And I'm so happy to hear that you are building, building a career that you love and that honors your family and I, I agree with you, man. Like once we became parents, I was like, Ooh, I got to get real clear on what's important. And, and I think parenting trains you for that, right? Like, are you dying, bleeding or hurt? No. Okay. What's the secondary? <laughs> like, so with business, it's like, is anyone dying, bleeding or hurt? No. Okay. It can wait till tomorrow. Like it, it just gives so much more permission to prioritize what's important, what's not important. Um, cause before kids, I mean, I would force myself to be busy. Like I would open the laptop and go, I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing, but I'm sure it's something. And now days will go by that. I don't even touch my computer because my kids want to be with me. And I would never, like you said, like it goes by so fast. We're going to have a six year old in a few months. And wow. he was just born like eight minutes ago. And so it is, it is really fascinating to see the, the, how it just, affects so much of your life that I would never change. Like, like you said earlier, like, why would I, why would I go back to that version of myself when I've grown and become such a better version of myself now? Like when you have a little mirror walking around and following you, you have to be a better version of yourself. And so part of that is work should be like, I am super grateful for my nine to five and I love the work that I do. And I worked super hard to get to where I am in my career. It was a labor of love. It was sacrifice on my part and my family's part and my husband's part. And I love being in person with people. I love manual therapy. I have incredible mentorship and collaboration when I'm in person, but I was giving too much of myself to it and not saving enough for my family. And so I spent the first three years of my older daughter's life just trying to figure out where she could be, like who was going to keep her alive that day so that I could go to work and take care of other people. And I think that was a backwards way of thinking about it. And it started to take a toll on me emotionally, spiritually, and physically. I mean, my physical stuff, my injuries from her delivery were just getting worse and worse and worse. And my body was talking to me so loudly and I was not listening. And I was just plowing through. And when I finally surrendered to that and took, decided to go to part-time and take a step back and put energy into something that was building for me and not working for somebody else, that was super empowering. And it just cleared a lot of space to be with my family. And so even though I'm making less money and it, you know I've taken a financial step back in that way, like it's so much more spacious for them. So I think it's really important and, for my and kids for you. to- yeah. And for me. Right. It's important for them to see me work out. It's important for them to see me take care of my health. It's important for them to see me cook vegetables and eat cookies and leave them to go have drinks with friends and go to work. And it's important for me to sit down on the floor and build magnetile castles and hear about their day and not be so exhausted that 
I can't do that. And I think a lot, our society is built in a way that doesn't support the natural rhythms of our children. And so our days end up being like this corralling, you know, like their big feelings are in the way of my seven o'clock dinner reservation. And I'm ready in my life to clear the path of least resistance so that I can be more natural with them and enjoy them more and spend less time worrying about like being late for things or being put together for things. And then always disappointing people because my kid's nap didn't line up with whatever plan I made seven months ago. (laughs) Right. Right. Yeah, no, absolutely. You, uh, Laura, talk about five trimesters. Can you give us a quick overview? And then I would love to hear about how, how you like to work with people. What does that look like for you? So I started this business as just postpartum healing consultation because I really feel like waiting from the day you have a baby to six weeks postpartum without consulting with a pelvic floor physical therapist is too long. And I think there's really fundamental information that should be given to everybody about their body postpartum the day that they give birth, but it's not. And it's, it just should be available. So that's where I started, was wanting there to be a virtual opportunity for people to get a really clear understanding of their injuries, what those injuries might mean in the long term, and how to start to take care of themselves right away to support their healing before six weeks postpartum. And there are so many barriers to doing that in person, transportation, childcare, not feeling ready to leave your house, not having a local provider, having to drive really far to see someone, not getting a referral from your doctor, having a 12 week wait list once you do get in to see someone. So being able to do this virtually is a really quick and easy way to just learn really simple but super, super impactful things about how to start to navigate your own healing right away. And to disseminate some of that, uh, sorry, not disseminate, but to, to get rid of some of that stigma that we were talking about earlier, right? To start having those conversations open and honestly right away. So that is the fourth trimester, is what we call the fourth trimester, which is zero to 12 weeks postpartum. But what I realized by doing that was that we ended up spending a lot of time talking about things people wish they knew during pregnancy now that they're postpartum that would have helped them better prepare for postpartum. So within the first six months of starting my business, I already expanded to the full pregnancy and postpartum umbrella because there was a need for it. And that's what people were asking for. People wanted to be seeing me during pregnancy. So trimesters, yeah. So the first three trimesters are during pregnancy, right? Zero to 12 weeks, 13 to 26 weeks, and then 27 to 40 weeks. And so I like to see people once a trimester, they can come to me more if they want. I always say this is not a substitute for in-person healthcare. So the goal is that this is either a supplement to in-person pelvic PT if someone can't get there often enough or they're having a really long wait time until they can get in to see someone in person. But I'm not going to do a formal evaluation of your pelvic floor virtually. So you have to see someone in person to get that really specific individualized assessment. But I love seeing people early on because it helps set the tone for their whole pregnancy. It helps us prepare for that second trimester visit where things are really starting to change physically in that third trimester visit where we're really thinking about and leaning into the reality of labor and delivery. And then I like to see people immediately postpartum to help them start to recover quickly and process what happened too. I think that's a really important piece of that fourth trimester visit is to start that early processing piece. And then we talk about the fifth trimester is kind of 13 weeks and beyond. So it's more of that 
now I'm returning to sport, returning to work. I've laid a really strong foundation during my first trimester. My core feels strong. My pelvic floor feels strong. Now I want to get back to running. I need some more robust support around that. Or I'm back to work. Let's talk about how I'm going to continue to prioritize my self-care within the confines of my work schedule. So that's really how I see it as a holistic process. And I want to be an advocate for helping to prepare people for postpartum during pregnancy. That's amazing. It's funny because each, like every mom that I've ever met, you know, as soon as the baby's born, everybody's about the baby. Grandparents Mm -hmm. are about the baby. Like strangers are about the baby. And it should all be about the mother because it's about the mother until the baby's born. People would hold doors for me all the time when I was at, at the store and they would smile at me. Like I looked like an idiot after I had my son and I'm walking around the the grocery store, like beaming and smiling at people. And they're like, what a weirdo, but you're pregnant and you smile and people are like, Oh my gosh. And so once the baby's born, everybody's all about the baby. And I just think it's, I, I think what you're doing is so important, Laura, because you give women permission to be about themselves. Baby's fine. And I've told, I've told friends and family, baby's fine. Baby needs you and a boob. Baby's fine. Baby doesn't need all the gadgets and the clothes. You are the one that is providing the house still, the safety still for this child just on the outside of your body. And so I just think what you do is so, so special and so empowering to have, to hold space for women to focus on themselves and to allow themselves to not feel shame around that or guilt around that. Yeah, maybe you're not going out and getting drinks with your girlfriends, but you are meeting with somebody who can hold space for you and guide you and tell you that you are normal and what you're experiencing is normal. Yeah, and thanks for saying that. And I read this amazing NPR article that came out a while ago about that used the reference that women are like discarded Reese's candy wrappers after they yeah. have a baby, you know, the baby is the Reese's peanut butter cup and you're just the, the wrapper that gets thrown away. And it could not be more accurate because when we think about birth outcomes, we only think about whether a healthy baby was born or an alive baby was born. We do not think about the long-term wellness of the parent, period. We don't, we don't consider that as part of a birth outcome. The long-term wellness of the birthing person and their community, their support people, their direct partner and everybody else in their circle is what ultimately is going to lead to whether that human being that was born thrives. And if we're not thriving, our kids are not thriving, right? If you're just a shell of yourself and you've lost all sense of identity and you live in a body that you don't understand because nobody will talk to you about it. And society has told you like, that's ugly and inconvenient for me. So we're not, you're not allowed to talk about it. Then you're lonely and you're isolated and you're having all this dysfunction and you're in pain and it's scary. And then you're supposed to take care of an infant. And if that's for the first time, and then you're in that space that we were talking about where you're like, is this forever? And I'm never going to sleep again. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's an unbelievably lonely place to be. And so the more we understand about what's going on in our own bodies, the more we feel empowered, the more we have tangible steps, the more we see a path forward and have a plan that feels manageable and that appreciates the complexity of our lives and all of the demands on us as humans and as women, then the better we can take care of our kids and the more connectable feel to our kids rather than feeling resentful of them and what they've taken away from us. 
but we can get to that place of feeling like they've really enriched our lives. So I'm about it. I'm living it. I am 13 weeks postpartum, three months postpartum today. How did that happen? Oh my happen? gosh, I can't believe that. <laughs> and I think my biggest takeaway this time has been really recognizing how much I fall into comparison. And even to who you were the, totally. the, the, the first time around, I remember second yeah. time with Dawson, I was like, well, when I was, I mean, Laura, I can't believe I was doing this. I was comparing my weight to what I weighed after my first was born. And like 13 weeks after, after Coulter, I was this much enough. And 13 weeks after Dawson, I'm not this, like I was comparing myself to an old version of myself. Not, not even like my mom friends who could like lactate and squirt across the room. Like, right. Oh my gosh. But I, and like, let's be really honest right now. I haven't lost a single pound since I was two weeks postpartum. Who cares? Like I feel super strong. I've been out walking this whole time. I had the best summer. My baby's an incredible sleeper. I am, I have so much gratitude for so many things that are such important measures of health and wellness. Like I am mentally in a really good place. That's so much more important than what I weigh or how my clothes fit right now. Like this is a season. This is a chapter and, and it will end. Yes. And that messaging comes from like, oh, well, you burn so many calories breastfeeding, your weight will just fall off. Like, oh, yeah, I, I burn so many calories breastfeeding. So I need to eat nourishing food and I need to eat it all the time. And I need to be super hydrated and I need to go out to eat because I'm tired, you know, <laughs> and we need to be okay with that. And so I'm able to have some humor and light about it, but I still really am keyed into all those little voices that come in and are still part of that process for me. And I think that's what's really fun about doing this work now while I'm living the postpartum experience is that I'm just one of my patients. Like I'm one of my clients. I am in it with them. And it's such a relatable, shared, lived experience. And we have to have grace with ourselves first. Like that's where it starts in order to have grace with each other. And in order to show up and support each other in community, rather than letting ego and envy and and dissociation kind of run the show. Like we as women have to recognize that supporting each other makes us stronger. It doesn't take anything away from us, especially in business. Yeah. I saw this quote that I think sums up kind of what you're talking about, not sums it up, but maybe adds to it. Um, people can only go with you as far as they have gone themselves. And so when you mentioned like having your own child was like, holy crap, I'm going to do everything differently. Like you, you, you only could have gone as far as you had gone. And then even the second time around, it's like, I never want to be that person. Like, and I've never said to anybody like, wait until the second one, wait till the third, wait till they're teenagers. Like that's just really uh, disrespectful. It's really disrespectful. And I, and I, I hate when the older generations do that. Um, But it is interesting because second time around is so different. Like nobody has identical pregnancies and your body does not show up the same way. And so I love that you are honoring this time because it is a very special time and yeah. you deserve to be in all of it with your babies and your toddler and your husband and all your friends who are also going through similar experiences. So I just love that you're doing this, Laura. I'm so proud of you. And we're going to put all the ways to connect with Laura um, in the show notes. Laura, is there anything that you want people to know about how to contact you, what you have going on right now in business? 
Yeah, the best way to contact me is just to use the contact page on my website, which is yourhearthhealing.com. Or you can direct message me on Instagram at yourhearthhealing or shoot me an email. Any, any way you contact me, I'm super available. Right now I'm offering a five session package. So it's $500 for five sessions if you want to do like one session per trimester. So you end up saving about $75. But if you have questions about, you know, is this right for me? I'm even I'm I'm preconception thinking about getting pregnant. I'm five years postpartum and I'm still having issues come up. I'm having low back pain. Could this be associated with my deliveries? All of those are valid reasons to come and chat with me and assess whether this is the right place for you. And I also just want to mention that a huge part of what I do is connect people with resources. So consulting is not the end all be all. It's a great starting point, but I really want to make sure that. I'm your touch touch point to get to the right pelvic PT, the right providers, the right resources, products, classes. That's really what I'm here for is to be a person to help you navigate what can sometimes be a really overwhelming sea of stuff on the internet and help guide you to the things that I think are evidence-based, are really functional, really work, truthful, holistic, um, and are more most importantly, right for you and right for you at your particular stage of healing. Thank you so much, Laura. I'm so, I know I've said it a few times already, but I'm so proud of you and I'm so excited about the work that you're doing and just cannot wait to see like how the next few months and years progress for you personally and for your business, of course. Thanks, Taylor. Thanks so much for inviting me. I was just so excited to talk to you and I'm so proud of you too. And you're such a hero of mine. So it's really an honor. You are so sweet. My cheeks are turning red. Well, thank you, Laura, so much for being here. And thank you for joining us today on the Fearless Vampire. We'll see you next time.